listening to the Racing Virginia Podcast. Now, here are your hosts. I'm Dave C. And I'm Brandon Brown. And we have a great show for you folks. Episode number 98. We are going to... We're going to interview a le- well. He's a Virginia legend. Yeah, he is uh, winningest driver ever at Larry King Law's Langley Speedway, uh, Norfolk, Virginia's Phil Warren. Awesome! Not only a championship driver, but championship crew chief. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a chance to talk to him, but and we got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's it's the new year. New season about to commence here in Racing Virginia, and uh, a lot of new stuff going on uh, here, right here at Richmond Raceway. We're within 100 days of 100. the of the Cup race. 100 days, and yeah, we're within, within two it, weeks with, of 100 our hundred hundredth episode. episode. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of hundreds going on. A lot on of hundreds here. going on here. Yeah, yeah you're right. Keep, exactly. Keeping right. it 100 here. So, so really cool stuff. We're gonna have a. Uh, um, our 75 greatest moments in our 75th anniversary season here at Richmond Raceway is going to uh, is going to drop the week after the Daytona 500. So uh, it'll be the first batch of the 75. You'll get moments 75 through 66. So if I did math right, then that then that's 10. And we get to, we get to talk about them here. Yeah, that's, yeah, we will. That's going to be every the cool week. Part. That's yeah, going to be, gonna the be cool neat. Part. It really is. And like, uh, what else is going on? Yeah. Uh, tickets are on sale now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tickets are on sale at Martinsville and at, uh, and at Richmond. Obviously, with the, with the pandemic, we don't know how things are going to shake out just quite yet. But if, uh, if you're excited like we are about racing season, you can go to richmondraceway.com or martinsvillespeedway.com and, and get, your, uh, get your cup Xfinity series and truck tickets for the, for the upcoming 2021 season. Um, and, uh, we just actually, uh, anybody who had, uh, had tickets in the, in the fall, you can, uh, you can renew your experiences now at richmondraceway.com as well. So, so, uh, hopefully, hopefully by, uh, the time the fall rolls around, all this crap can, uh, yeah. can be gone and we can, we can be racing, uh, with, with full capacity and, and all you guys that, that we love to, uh, fall spring, yeah. spring is still, man. I'm talking about like fall oh, yeah. is like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. That's true. Yeah. I will tell you this. Bill Sawyer says we're starting. We're gonna we're gonna start the season. Are you? Yes. Oh, is yeah, that one hundred percent? One hundred percent. Oh man, I can't oh, wait. One hundred percent, unless we get shut down. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll just uh, keep and, cute. And uh, our first our first race will be April third. That's a week. That's kind of it's our weekly racing mm-hmm. series stuff. And four. And then just a few days later, April fifteenth. Tony Stewart and the All-Star Circuit of Champion Four Tens, baby. Oh man, those are so much fun to watch, uh, man. I, yeah. I love I love watching those four ten sprints uh rip it around. Uh I, well, I haven't seen them at your I watched uh, I watched I believe a late model race up there or a modified race up at uh, up at Virginia Motor uh, Speedway, but I have not seen the four tens up there at your place just quite yet. I think we're gonna have to change that. You, I, you can come anytime you I want. Know, I know. I'm just saying that's that's what's going to happen. I'm going to come and come and see the race. I, and to be honest with you, I might put your butt to work. Y- you can. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I work cheap. <laughs> hey, hey, and stuff like that. It's always nice to have somebody that can go around and take pictures. Yep, absolutely. That can take a little video. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have an eye. You know, because you're a social media guy. Yeah. You know what to kind of pick up on. Yep. And you also were working on obviously pulling video for stuff for the 75th and yeah so you know i i've i've gotten accustomed to knowing what racing fans like to see on social media and if i hadn't by now uh they should have probably fired me a long time ago so 
Um, that's fun. <laughs> uh, speaking of all the social media stuff, uh, us and I'll just be Richmond Raceway heavy for a little bit. We are getting ready to announce on social media on Thursday our our esports team for the upcoming season. So uh, sign, sealed, yeah. delivered. We should have put that music in there. Sign, you can go put it in and post. Yeah, sign, sealed, delivered. Uh, then, they, then, they, then they won't let us play it on. Uh, social yeah. media so anyway um so we'll we'll announce our drivers there was a big free agency period so um we had to do a little wheeling and dealing and 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 negotiating with our with our guys and, now, and stuff i want to so. talk about that for a minute okay okay go ahead ask away it's it's amazing that you know if you look at Fortnite, mm-hmm. call of duty and mm-hmm. all those kind of there's a ton of teams uh-huh where someone uh, Gary Varnacek, mm-hmm. Gary V, Gary V is part of he he's part owner of a team out of Minnesota. Yeah, I forget what game they play, sure. but it's big business. Those guys, some of those guys, like Ninja. Yep. Yeah. They, I don't even know his real name. Everybody just goes in Ninja. Yeah. I bet he's in the seven to eight figures. Yeah. Like, Easy. Like yeah, total. Because I mean, like just think about it. There is an appetite to watch what these these guys and girls are playing online like there's a demand for but, it like but the thing is is it, i never thought that it would hit racing and with i, th- I think if there's one thing that covet kind of brought to the forefront mm-hmm. was online racing yeah oh 100 percent. i racing probably i i, I would I, I bet they doubled and tripled the amount of people that race on i race they did they absolutely did um, people, people needed something to do. Yeah. They needed to fill the racing void in their lives. And, and NASCAR especially did a great job integrating the drivers and doing the, uh, eNASCAR pro invitational series, getting the real life drivers involved in sim racing. And that spilled over into the, uh, into the, you know, the, the sim world yeah. of the professional but, sim racers as now, well. Those professional like teams are coming and courting yes the top drivers mm-hmm. in iRacing. Yeah, so they are coming in the, a couple and brand new teams came in Space Station Gaming, Xset Gaming um came into the sport of um iRacing or our eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series and they are known for their first person shooter games like Call of Duty and playing yeah. playing those but but they now see the value in iRacing and want to get their feet wet in, in here too. Who would have thought that playing games would become a profession? Who knew? I, I'm just asking. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people, you know, years ago that were going, hey, uh-huh. this is coming. Yeah. You know, don't be mad at your kids for playing games. Yeah. That's what people were saying. Yeah. And of course, parents said, I know I got to cut the, you know. Get your ass outside. <laughs> if I'd have known yeah. that, my boys would have been playing <laughs> Call of Duty or something yeah. every day. So, I mean, but just just think about it. Like back, think back in a day um, when, when the sport of baseball or the sport of basketball, yeah. football w- was invented. It wasn't a, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, it, it grew because people wanted to watch it true and this is the same same thing now online gaming has grown wow. because it you is have a huge audience and, that that wants to to consume it so and you know you you're you like me are probably in a bunch of marketing groups mm-hmm. and the one thing that i have been seeing is that 
advertisers, sponsors, are starting to head towards two different things. Esports, mm-hmm. podcasts. Yep. And, the, you know, I, I've been doing podcasting, uh, some, kind, some form of podcasting, probably for 20 years. You know, you throw mm-hmm. back in the, my asphalt show and, you know, but I was doing it at a radio station too sure. and putting it up. I would have never, uh, I, I, back, even back then, I, I didn't think podcasting would get as big as it has mm-hmm. become. Right. Just, just think it's, it's just the nature of how people consume media now. Everything is on demand. You can pick and choose, you know, you don't just, you know, pick a radio station and listen to whatever's on that radio station. Now in your car, on your computer, in your office, on your Alexa, you can just pick whatever you want. Yeah. I I sent you the video. (laughs) I know. And yeah. So like, so that's what it is. Like podcasts are, are a perfect form of media to people to be able to pick and choose what they want to listen to. So yeah, you did send me that Alexa video. So uh, we're, we're actually going to play that on our social media here, uh, here very soon. And I brought, Draft top. Yeah. 2.0 version. Uh-huh. And after this podcast is going, we're going to mm-hmm. do a little demonstration mm-hmm. and show it to you. Perfect. It's, it's Supporting it's, businesses that support racing here in well, Virginia. I want to support draft top because yeah. I keep seeing, I mean, you know, they have a patent on this, but there's a lot of fakes out there. Mm-hmm. And I want you to realize, you know, especially on social media, the ads on social media, there's a lot of fakes out there. Mm-hmm. And these guys are and these the, these guys are legit, and they're it's a business, really. Yep. Let's just say from from state of Virginia. I mean, I know it was their idea was mm-hmm. out of state, yep. but you know, one of the co owners mm-hmm. lives here in Virginia. Yeah. So let's support. We need to support them. Plus, they support Martinsville. Yeah. And That's and, saying, and be honest with you, they came on at a late time mm-hmm. to pick up that Xfinity stuff during the pandemic. Yeah, and. You know, a lot of times sponsors want to get that long lead in, mm-hmm. you know, because so they want to they want to be able to be uh, uh, promoted at the beginning of the year sure. all the way to the event. Yep. Draft top came in like what the week before. Yep, you got to give it to them, and they and they came in, I believe, for multi years as well. So they they want to grow with with that event and grow with Martinsville Speedway. So so kudos to them. Love it, absolutely love it. We need to call Phil Warren. We ready? Yeah, well, is it time? Hello. Hello, Mr. Phil Warren. How you doing, buddy? Good. How you doing? Good. Welcome to the Racing Virginia podcast. We can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your very busy schedule. It's uh it is an honor to have you on. You are a legend in our state. Uh and th- I'm not trying to blow you up or anything, but you know, I butter, butter you up I, more I, like. Butter, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I've known Phil for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so back in my asphalt days, but, uh, man, I, uh, what a, you know, what a career you have had and, you know, winning this driver Langley Speedway, which is one of the toughest tracks to get around and the, the wins. I mean, you, you broke your, I think, well, I think it was your uncles, your uncle Bruce, you broke his record there at Langley for the most, uh, for the most championships. Talk a little about how you kind of got into the racing part, you know, the racing deal. Well, um, I mean, my family, obviously my uncle was in racing and, um, my dad was working on the cars, him and my granddad. And, um, we were always at the racetrack on Saturdays and, uh, long time I got about 15, 16, they, uh, 
kind of decided to get out of racing and um i helped you know i started helping bubba nissen some on his limited car back then and um you know right you know a few years went by i decided to try to build me a street stock car and um took me a little while to get that together and uh, get enough financing and stuff so that i could race but we finally did and uh been doing it ever since you know, seven champion, and I got to say this, you probably one of the smoothest drivers I had ever seen on, on a racetrack and watching you uh, race. And the one thing that I think everybody realizes that you kind of ran on a shoestring budget. You, you know, you, you were winning against guys who were probably spending maybe twice as much as you. Why do you think that was the case? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, we definitely did it on a, a pretty slim budget. Um, a lot of times racing off of just what the car made, which is uh, probably impossible to do today. But, uh, you know, um, in the early days, they didn't make you buy four tires every week. And um, you show up, and if you couldn't buy one or four or two or whatever you could do, and uh, – a lot of times we just buy two and um, and racing and all the out of town races we went to we never bought four we always buy two and go run two hundred lap races South Boston and not get four tires <laughs> oh, you usually you usually go and you and you uh, you know finish in the top five generally so uh, I never won a lot of races at them tracks because of that probably but but we had a lot of fun so. That's what it all, you know, mainly comes down to. If you don't enjoy it, you don't do it. You know, you started as a young child, a young kid, a young boy, well, working on your uncle's race car. A lot of times nowadays, you don't see the, 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 the drivers, the kids that are driving now, you don't see them involved in working on the race car. What's the biggest change that you have seen from the time that you got into racing and and to where racing is right now? Well, back back then, uh, a lot of, you know, when we first started, you'd go to the junkyard and get a car, and um, you had to basically strip that body down and cut all the extra metal out of it and uh, redo the frame, and, you know, you use most of the frame, too. So, uh, you know, the junkyard would give you damaged fenders, and you straighten them out and cut cut out a lot of it, and uh, and that's what you use on the race car, where... Today, nothing comes from the junkyard, and uh, you know the kids today never had to experience uh, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Going to the junkyard and getting a old fender, or having to take it off and straighten it, and um, things like that—that that they don't do no more. It's pretty much a fixed piece now. You don't even have to paint them if you don't want to. You know. What uh, what about that experience? Um, do you think that uh, that kids today would would value? You know, if they had to go through and and do all that stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, the um, the biggest thing is when I first started. Um, you know, I built a few race cars of my own, the whole cars, and um, and there come a time there it's like, and I don't really want to build race cars. I want to drive them. You know, so. But out of necessity, I, I had to do a certain amount of the building stuff to afford it. And um, so, you know, that was the the part that the kids don't get today. You know, they don't have to 
to build anything to race. You know, it's, it's kind of like you just order it and it comes and that's what you use. And, uh, so it, it's changed a lot as far as that goes. A lot of, a lot of the kids today are drivers. They don't know a lot about the car. And unfortunately the best drivers still know something about the car. You yeah. know what I mean? They can, uh, they understand how some of the stuff works and, you know, don't care how good a crew chief you are. <laughs> if the driver can't help you some, yeah. um, you know, he's got to know what he's feeling and know what he wants sometimes where you're not sitting in there. You don't know. Yeah. Speaking of that, when did you know, you know, Hey, I, I've got some talent and, and can start, you know, winning races and, and doing what you were doing. When, when did you kind of know, Hey, I got, I got the gift. What to be a driver or yeah, yeah, to, be driver. yeah to be to be a driver, not only a driver but a good one. Well, I mean that's a tough question. I in in probably in eighty six or something, I'd won a few races, never no championships or nothing to speak of, and I was um, and actually Tommy Ellis gave me some advice one day. He said, "Son, if you slow down, you'll go faster," <laughs> and. And he, and it took me probably two years to realize what he told me. And, um, I was, I built a new car in 86. I sat on the pole, led 25, 30 laps every week. The car would always give up and go away. And it's like, the uh, Al Pierce put a thing in the paper down here, said, if you, um, I, I would more than likely sit on the pole was 200 lap race and fade you know, 40, 50 laps into the race and I'd fade back. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what do I got to do to make the car better? The car was good. It just wouldn't last, you know, it'd give up. And I'm like, what do I need to do to make the car last? Well, I didn't know what to do. So I worked on the driver some. I taught my, I told myself, <laughs> I said, self, I said, when the race starts, you're not going to run no faster than you think you can run all night. And if they pass you, they pass you. Well, I led all 200 laps and won the race that night. And I think that my competitors thought that I would do what I'd been doing. They probably already knew what I was doing wrong. Yeah. And they weren't going to tell you. I was, <laughs> yeah. They weren't going to tell me. So I set a pace that I thought I could run all night. And, uh, when it was 25 to go, like the, it was like two close that were close to me. And when it was time to go, they couldn't go. So I ended up winning and the biggest lesson I had to learn the hard way, uh, you know, Tommy Ellis, you know, gave me the advice. It just took me, uh, two, probably two years to put that in perspective, to, to make it, um, you know, understand what he was trying to tell me at the time, you know? That's the other thing that even today, I think that it, it's the hardest lesson to teach a young driver. Sometimes to go fast, you got to slow down and it doesn't register in your head. Cause you're going, man, I just got to go as fast as I can go. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, like I said, I, my first crew chief and thing was with Steve Falk and, uh, he'd been running legend cars and they're 25 laps as hard as they could drive. And, and that's the, uh, it took a while to, for, for, it was my first job as a crew chief, so to speak. And, and here I am working with a, you know, an 18, 19 year old young driver and, um, he knows how to go fast. He just don't know how to finish the race. You know what I mean? And, uh, so we, we sat down one day and had a, a conversation. I said, look, I said, you, 
I said, I felt like I never was aggressive enough when I raced. You're too aggressive. I said, you got to find a place in the middle here. I said, and you got to figure out how to make the car last because you can't punish them tires like that for 150 laps. They're not going to make it. I said, you've got to find a place in there. You know this car can run all night. And once we did that, you know, it, we started winning races and, uh, you know, probably one of the better late model drivers there will ever be. Yeah, he, he won, you won two championships with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had a lot of success. So, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, he was good on his own. So I just helped, helped calm him down a little bit, I think, you know. You know, the one thing I've noticed uh, over the years is that the, the you are, people consider you a, a mentor. They, you know, they, they know that you will, if they ask you a question, you'll, you know, tell them honestly. You know, the other, yeah. you know, that's, that's respect. And every driver that I've talked to, I called a couple guys and every one of them, I mean, they said, you know, they respected you because you wouldn't run over nobody. He wasn't, you know, you were going to be a clean driver. You could run side by side and never even touch. Bugs Harefield said that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, that's the way I like to do it. Um, you know, I tried to race, you know, there were people obviously once in a while that, uh, you know, you raced them like they raced you. Um, but for the most part, I like to, you know, pass them clean if I could, you know, uh, you know, you might touch here and there once in a while, but never, uh, never with you. You know, I was going to give them room even on the last lap. I wasn't going to, I was going to do my best to use my part of the racetrack to win the race if I could. And, uh, if I didn't, then I wasn't good enough that day. So, you fast forward to this past season. Um, and speaking of being a mentor, you were a two-time <laughs> champ. Well, I guess a three-time counting uh, Dominion Championship crew chief this year. Once with the with Brendan Butterbean Queen at Langley, and with Riley Music, your uh, grandson at Langley and Dominion. I want to know what you what you've imparted in in terms of knowledge first uh, to Brendan Queen, who is obviously a really aggressive racer, um, or at least it looks like that from a fan perspective. Um, you know, in in today's racing world, that's just about become the the way racing is. Um, is you know somewhat aggressive, and uh, you know we we talk about that once in a while when to be aggressive and and how to be aggressive. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he knows what, you know, what time of the race, if he's going to be aggressive, he needs to do it. And, uh, you know, you still don't want to wreck nobody if, you know, if it's at all possible, uh, but you'll do whatever it takes to win. So, uh, you know, he's, he's a, you know, really, really good person, easy to deal with. Um, you know, really good driver. So, you know, it's, it's all there. Um, you know, it's, some, you know, we've struggled through some of the equipment we've had, um, you know, up until we won the 16 championship at East Carolina. And then we thought we'd come to Langley and be good, but, and it didn't happen. Uh, things changed. We got behind. Our cars were behind and uh, took us a while to get that turned around. And this year when it started, it's like, you know, um, a sponsor bought us a, a newer car. It wasn't a new one but it was a newer one and it's like that car has been magic. Um, you know, it just turned our program around for the year. Uh, 
it just works so much better than what we've been running. And, uh, you know, he did a good job of driving and, uh, we were fortunate enough to win the Hampton heat and you know, it was a little bit of a controversial finish, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like a lot of people say for $10,000, you probably spend your mama out. <laughs> you so, would. That's what um, I, I'll go ahead. But that, you know, that's, you know, maybe it wasn't the exact outcome we were looking for, but we were looking to win the race and we, we managed our tires all day long, you know, from the start and, uh, felt like we had the car to win the race. And, uh, luckily we did. Yeah. I wanted to ask you from, from, you know, crew chief and mentor, uh, your perspective on that move, because that was a, that was a bold move at the end of the Hampton heat to take it three wide into turn one, make it stick and win the race. Like what was the, what was your immediate reaction to that? And then what were the conversations like after that, after, you know, you celebrated in victory lane? Really wasn't a lot of conversation about it until later, later on in the week, you know, uh, you know, probably put in that situation for a race that pays that much money again, I probably wouldn't change much about it. Uh, you know, it was like Peyton Sellers said afterwards, he said, Hey, he said, I'd have done it $10,000. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's, he's the only one that would have done it. Most people would have. And, uh, so, you know, that being said, um, you know, it's not, the, uh, you know, there again, it's, the money situation, biggest race of the year, probably, you know, arguably this year may have been the biggest race, you know, late models ran, uh, at the time. So, you know, it was just, just the way it was, the way it worked out and we were able to win it. Yeah. I was there by the way, (laughs) standing there on the, on the, um, I was on the front stretch. I believe it was fun to watch, man. It was a ball. (laughs) It was obviously, Obviously, whoever side you were on, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. And and I get it. If I was on their side, I'd have probably been uh, a little upset, too. But uh, <laughs> That's all right. That's racing, you know, man. That, that's racing. That's, you know, that's the way that why we all show up and why we all do it. What's uh, what's it like? Uh, yeah, second part of this question. What's it like uh, mentoring and crew chiefing for your for your grandson uh, Riley Music, who was dominant By this way, year in, in, in Bandoleros? He he has a uh, he has a racer's name. Yeah, Riley, oh, Riley Music. Music, man. People oh. remember that name. So what's it what's it like? And uh, what's it you know a young a young young kid you know, who you know is just starting racing? What's it like talking to them, trying to impart knowledge to them? Well, and it's been surprisingly, you know, easy. He listens to uh, whatever reason he respects me and, uh, he listens to everything I tell him. And, uh, and Brendan's been able to sit down and talk to him some about driving things too at a, you know, more of a, you know, a dry, you know, more current driver situation and, uh, and help him out some. So, uh, you know, we, we started doing that. Two two years ago, three. This is the third. Let's see, this the fourth season he's going to run them this year. But he won the championship last year and the two this year. And uh, you know, hey, when we started the year, I could we have ever known he was going to win seventeen races? Uh, I didn't. You know, I would have never guessed it. But uh, won every one at Langley, but one, and every one at Dominion, but one. And it's a lot of luck involved because a lot of the races at Dominion weren't. Um, weren't you know like we were the best we just ended up winning at the end of the day things went our way 
So uh, the races we shouldn't have won, we did. And, uh, <clears throat> you, you know, like I got to him and said, don't let it get to you because it will turn around. There's going to be bad years if you keep racing long enough. You show up and win that many races, you got to be humble when you ain't winning. That's the biggest thing, teaching yeah. not to take winning for granted because it ain't easy. You know, even even if you think winning in bandos is easy, all I can say is get you one and show up at the track and try to win. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy there neither. You know, there's a lot of people there spending money and putting effort into them things too. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe the racing background helped us a little bit, but he became, this year especially, he became a really really, really smooth with the wheel where he doesn't turn the wheel a lot. And uh, that that helped him so much, I think, by him. You know, the first year, I told him, man, you could cut down the whole woods in a race if you had a hack. <laughs> you know, he saw it on the wheel so much, but he's, he's figured out how to calm that down. And, uh, man, anyway, he's, uh, you know, we want to run limited with him probably at Dominion in, the, in that, uh, or the Virginia Racers, I guess yeah. it is, or whatever they call it. They were running them at Langley, but I don't know if it'll continue or not. And um, but we have a car already. We're working on and uh, want to get him some practice this year, you know, later in the year if we can. Uh, when he turns 14, then we can go move up to that. And I want him to be somewhat ready when he gets there, you know. Yeah. So it'll be a big learning curve to do that. You know, the one thing that I think, uh, if you look at your grandson, the one thing that I think you have done perfectly is that he works on the race car. He's not just a helmet toter. I mean, you know, he gets in there, he, he's starting to understand how to set the cars up because that's what you have imparted on him. Well, like I said, I, I, am, I, I do work on Brenda's car at the racetrack, so I can't always be there with him. You know, on race day, I'm there a spot for him most of the time if my son's not there. And uh, so he has to know how to do the restrictor plate and things that have to be done on race day. And if he wants it tighter or looser, you know, he knows what he needs to do there and air and things of that nature. He knows, you know, basically what to do. So he can work on most of the car, you know, itself for, for a 12-year-old. He's doing pretty good, so... But, you know, for, for him to, to do that, um, I told him, I said, you've got to know how to do these things because I can't be there with you all the time. And um, so, and, and the good thing he has on his side, he has a, a gift to talk to people and he knows how to talk to people and be nice to people. And, and it, you know, it's helped him with a couple of the sponsors that he has, uh, you know, that have met him and liked him and helped him even more. So, uh, you know, it's a big deal when, you know, you present yourself well, and he's been able to do that. The funny thing is, Elliot Sadler pulled him aside one time, I heard, and told him that you were a wheel man and, and a bad, M, I ain't going to say the word, bad mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, that when you're racing, when you came into racing and when you left racing, it's um, I, I feel like that was an error that the amount of talent, especially here in the state of Virginia, the amount of talent here in the state of Virginia may, may if it's not the top error, era, it's 
it's somewhere in the top five easily. I mean, the names that you had to race against are they're legends. Yeah. You guys are legends. Oh, there's a, I, I don't, I couldn't name them all the guys that I thought could win, you know, any day that you showed up the racetrack, these guys could, there, there's 10, maybe 15 of them that could win on any given day. You know, the circumstances were, you know, going their way. Uh, we used to go to Southside, you know, on Friday yeah. night, some, and there'd be 15 guys there that could win the race tonight. If, you know, situation worked out, you know what I mean? Uh, when you come to Langley to be 20, 25 cars there every week, uh, same thing, you know, numerous guys. I mean, there was guys that before my time, like Patterson and people like that, yeah. that raced before me and I raced with them and, uh, Roy Hendrick, them guys, um, were racing before, long before me and they were still racing, when I was racing. So it, it was good to get to race with a lot of them guys, you know, uh, that I normally wouldn't have got to race with. But, uh, and then the guys that I grew up racing with bugs, Eddie, Edwards, uh, Steve Hudson, um, the list of Sawyers. I mean, God, the list could go on, uh, the Johnsons, you know, there's so many of them, uh, Shane, Lock- I mean, Shane Lockhart, uh, yeah. I can name names forever than guys that, um, you know, Curtis Markham, you can keep naming names forever. Uh, <laughs> you know, them, them guys all were winners, you know, yeah, in absolutely. my time. Uh, um, you had to beat them when you showed the racetrack if you were planning on winning. And back then, the, the, the late model race at Martinsville was, you're talking about competitive and they'd have 110, 115, 120 cars show up. And it was, yeah. the, it was the best of the best. You, you actually set, uh, you, you made history in 2001. You are one of the winners of the Taco Bell 300. That's what it was called back then at, at yeah. Martinsville. And you, made, you had to make the race through the qualifying race. And you started 24th. You were the first driver to win that event coming out of a qualifying race and also the first driver to uh, win in a Ford. Yeah, I didn't know that, but <laughs> I thought somebody else had run with a Ford, but uh, you know, it's, it's good people. You know, I was driving for Lamb and Robbins then, a really good car. Uh, it was funded well. Um, had good high motors. Um, everything that went right that day except qualifying that weekend. We didn't qualify very good for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why we didn't qualify good. We were top top three fastest all weekend, and for some reason we didn't qualify good. And uh, you know, like when the heat race started, I mean, I knew I had a good car, and I think we won the qualifying race. And um, when the feature started, it's, man, we can win this race. We just we can get to the front without tearing it up, and uh, we were able to do that. And I mean, it was probably one of the biggest days of my life probably looking back on that and you know i did win one of the fall races one time too in 88 i think uh, i have two clocks so a lot of people don't have any <laughs> oh man the the legendary martinsville clock man well, well I, look uh brandon you weren't in the area then true and that martinsville race and and phil will back me up here mm-hmm. that martinsville race the, the last 
15, 20, 15 laps where, where if, if you were in first, someone was on your bumper and yeah, and there were a lot of wrecks. <laughs> there are a lot of hard feelings too in that, in that race. Yeah. I don't think I had any with anybody, but, uh, uh, Brandon, Brandon Butler finished second and, yeah. um, he's probably the only guy I didn't have to pass. Uh, the invert put me in front of him and he had a fast race car and you're talking about probably somebody that deserved to win that race and never has was him. Um, he finished good a lot of times and circumstances kept him from winning it, you know? One quick question before we get, before we do some other stuff. What made you want to go from driver to crew chief? Well, I mean, it kind of came a time where racing was like going through the change. They were changing the crate motors and I didn't, I didn't have the finances to keep up with all them changes and, uh, nor the sponsorship. And at, at some point there, Langley quit running late models weekly for a year, a couple of years there. And they went to using their next class for late models. And, um, I kind of went to Southampton and raced some until they closed that track. And then when it closed, kind of, you know, you work, you know, I was working a job. So, um, wasn't in a situation to really go do anything else. And the car that I was driving, that deal was about over. Uh, I drove Matt Miller's car there for a little, you know, for a little while there. And he was basically building a team for his son to drive. And, uh, I was just kind of helping him with that. But then when, Southampton closed. It was just, just really too hard for me to go to the other tracks. On, uh, you know, going on Saturday was one thing, but it, it, racing was kind of like it is now. You almost have to go test, or you ain't got a chance. Yeah. You know, if you don't show up the day before and test it, even if, even at Langley, you know, it's just about come to the point where you just about got to go shake your car down on Friday if you really want to have a chance to win on Saturday. And it's just come to that because you get there on Saturday, like on summertime tracks, 140 degrees, and you ain't going to race on a 140 degree track at night. So you almost have to go and get your balance pretty close on Friday mornings or something. And then when you show up on uh, on Saturday, you just kind of rest on what you you brung and, uh, and try to run it, and hopefully it works out. So it's just, just gone through a lot of changes from what it used to be. And for on that, man. Well, we know that you, uh, in your career, have always been uh, been fast on the track. We're going to try to see if you're fast at something else. We got uh, a brand new segment that we're going to do, Racing Virginia Rapid Fire. Questions for you. If uh, you'll say what the first thing that comes to your mind or the, uh, the either or answer to these questions. You ready? I'll try. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Phil Warren, Racing Virginia Rapid Fire. What's your favorite food? Uh, hamburger. Favorite non-racing sport? Um, none. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's your favorite actor? Um, Clint Eastwood, probably. Asphalt or dirt? Asphalt. Blondes or brunettes? Brunettes. Apples or oranges? Apples. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Uh, comedy or drama? Comedy. What's the best board game in the world? Monopoly. Outside or inside? 
inside. <laughs> that is a little double entendre question well, too. Well, you know, the, yeah, because that I, was racing I, Virginia I, rapid fire. Yeah, by because the way. you could you could say <laughs> outside groove or inside groove, uh-huh. or outside uh, or inside the house. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And we got uh, two actual questions for you to to finish up uh, with you, Phil. We appreciate you having you on today. We want to know, and this might be a a, a layup question for you, but yeah. uh, what is your favorite track in racing Virginia? Well, I mean, I had most of my success at Langley, so I'm going to probably have to say Langley. Good answer. Of all the races that you've ever experienced, watching or racing in them, what is your favorite race of all time? Uh, probably Martinsville when I won the last time in 01. And I got one more question. Go for before, it. Before we let him go. Who was your biggest rival? That's a tough question. Uh, you know, I had two or three people that, you know, you don't get along with along the way, but, uh, I don't know. Nobody really comes to mind. You know, me and Mike Buffkin used to have some run-ins, but, uh, you know, he was probably, a, probably my biggest rival in a sense. But, uh, you know, as far as one thing about racing, I, I've been able to, I don't have nobody that I'm still mad at from racing. So, <laughs> That's good. You know, I've, I'll put all that behind you once it's over with, you know? Well, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to visit with us. We need to have you back on because we we just brushed the surface. Mm-hmm. You know, we just knocked the dust off because I know <laughs> there's a lot more stories out there. But we can't thank you enough, Phil. And uh, welcome. Well, I mean, you've been in part of the Racing Virginia family for a long time. <laughs> but welcome to the Racing Virginia family. All right, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. <laughs> It's cool having a, having those kind of guests on. And that's what I was, you know, when we talked before, yep. I've got some other ideas too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on, Ray, uh, you know, Roy Hendrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentioned uh, Shane Lockhart. And, you know, there's a, just a, a Eddie Johnson. There's a, just a list of drivers. I mean, we talk about all the all the current drivers yeah. and how I'm, how I'm more blessed. But I mean, equally as impressive is the list of legends Sonny that live Hutchins, here. Bill in, Dennis, Tommy Ellis. Lord, I'd like to have Tommy Ellis on. Mm-hmm. We need to get Elton Sawyer on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Elton. I mean, he's the yeah. like director of competition, yeah. right? Yeah, for NASCAR. Yeah, he was a hell of a driver. Yes, he was. He, especially here in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Should have asked Phil about that. But he said, yeah. he, you know, the Sawyers. Yeah. You know, he, that, that, you know, that was kind of a group that you kind of raced with that, that were really good. Yeah. But absolutely, man. What's happening down at Daytona? <laughs> I, got, I saw you right. I got I got one I got one last one last thing for you today. Uh, uh, our good friend Dinah um, sent me a message the other day, and uh, she was like, "Hey, we got a group of drivers that are heading down to Daytona for ARCA testing. Yeah, later this week and this weekend. Would you like me to send you anything?" I was like, "Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Here's what we would like." I said, it "Like videos and photos and all the stuff for for Racing Virginia." So what we're gonna do is we are going to give you a little bit of an inside look at uh, Mullins Racing testing down in Virginia for the first race of the first Arca Menard Series race of the year. We got drivers Willie Mullins, Robert Bruce, Davey Callahan, Howie DeSavino, Owen Smith, Derek Lancaster, and Chase Dixon all down there representing the state of Virginia or uh, or Dominion Raceway. So that's going to be cool. I think Mullins Racing has put together kind of a a testing kind of deal mm-hmm. that you, that they'll take you and test, you know, get you some ARCA experience. Yeah. A lot of people go to that Daytona test, 
just to get the experience. And sure. then they don't even race in the mm-hmm. event, but they may come back later and race at another track. Mm-hmm. So it, that'd be cool. Very cool stuff yeah, on the I way. Mean, again, her TikTok. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's what she said. She's, she's like, got like 14,000 followers yeah. or 15,000 followers now. Well, that's what she said. She's like, I'm already doing stuff for TikTok. Yeah. I'll just send you some of it. <laughs> I was like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff, oh. yeah. So we will have some really cool stuff uh, for you this weekend and later, later this week. So very cool. Thank you, Dinah Mullins from, uh, from Dominion Race. Wait. Well, uh, make sure you check out the website. Yep. Uh, come racing season. We'll, we'll have, have schedules as soon as we start getting them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for all the tracks, uh, as much because uh, we're going to have to get on the phone and talk to these guys. Yep, absolutely. Uh, news and of course, uh, Rainey Hallman's columns. Absolutely, we'll some be of the best. Some of the best reading. Uh, if you like history and racing, yep. some of the best reading. Absolutely. Plus, he's a hell of a writer. His name's on the. Names on the door up here. Door over here <laughs> in the Richmond Raceway uh, Media Center. Center. Yeah. Uh, follow us on social media at Racing Virginia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, got the YouTube channel as well, yeah. and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Well, I'm a, I'm gonna butter up I'm my, my my boy here, my co-host Brandon. You do a great job with the social media. Thank you, sir. I didn't know I had access to it, so I'll yeah. help out as much yeah. as I can. <laughs> you, you you can you can publish <laughs> stuff on the Facebook page. We'll let you do I, it. Yeah, but you know, I, you you do such a great job. You Thank know? you. So. And folks, remember to go to Apple Podcast. Yep. It, w- it would mean the world to us if you go to Apple Podcast and subscribe. And you may have your favorite like Spotify uh-huh. or Amazon or mm-hmm. Google. And, but if you could do that, it helps us get higher in the ranks and gets, it helps us also get seen by other people. And we, sure. we want to grow the show. And, and if, if all possible, leave us a, a review and a Hopefully five star. <laughs> it would be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. Uh, but we can't uh, thank Phil Warren for taking the time to be with us. You know, one of our, le- our, our legend series. Mm-hmm. How about that? That's, we just came yeah. with a name. Yeah. And uh, make sure you take time to visit the website. Yep. And, and make sure you share this yep. podcast with your friends. Yep. Please. We can't thank you for listening and for downloading this 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 show and and enjoying it and because we're seeing some really good positive comments about what we're doing and we can't thank you the listener enough so for brandon brown i'm dave c reminding you to keep racing virginia